Oh yes, this is Recorded Podcast We back for another episode If you feeling legendary, this one for you Benny the Butcher Gave my life to the game, had my mama concerned And made a call when she saw when I got a return Broke my flow down, they still can't describe it in words And all the work they say they put in, I gotta confirm Put my hood in diamonds so you know how my block did it Gun come with a car fax, you know who I shot with it Shot with us, you know me and my niggas Cribs not furnished till a garage get a drop in it And now I want nothing for free They ain't know me then, bet they check it now The best player getting drafted in the seventh round I learned rules from the streets and wrote them lessons down I know 155,000 weigh like seven pounds Said I'ma be a legend soon, shit I'm a legend now that's real shit. Said I'ma be a legend soon. I'm a legend now. Yeah, 50,000 in the draw at the W with some bitches. And every time I score, it's a W for the. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Another day, another podcast. This is recorded. We back at it again for another one, man. I got a special guest from like it's somewhat of a hometown, uh, Lancaster. That's where I was raised up, Lancaster, California, man. But I got a good brother with me. Please introduce yourself. What it is, what it doing, how you guys doing today? It's your boy, Brother Man, a.k.a. Daryl. Well, let me rephrase that. It's Daryl, a.k.a. Brother Man. That's what the nickname was back in high school. Everybody knew me as a big Daryl, you know. Just, you know, tuning in with my man, Reg, you know, back from, you know, man, we actually go back from, since middle school day. I remember back since New Vista, bro, you know what I'm saying? And then, uh, you know, I remember we ended up, you know, linked up again back in high school at AV. And I just went from there. You know, one thing I really uh, liked about my man was, uh, you know, he's originally from the East Coast, and, you know, I was, you know, you know, raised on East Coast hip-hop, and, man, I'm a big fan of East Coast hip-hop. I'm still still trying to, you know, get myself out there one of these days, man, because I'm trying to hit all the boroughs, man, and, you know, it's just, you know, I, I, I can feel the vibes over there in the over on the East, man. There ain't nothing but good vibes over there in the East, so I feel like, you know, some, some of that West love over there and whatnot, so, you know, um, man, just uh, it's good to talk to you know, talk to my man right now, tuning in with him and, you know, putting me on. Definitely appreciate it. Thanks, brother, for having me. Oh, yeah, of course, man. But, yeah, yo, they was building a hip-hop museum in the Bronx before Corona. I think they was getting it started. So whenever everything's back up and running, man, we're going to have to get you out there, man. But are you a Laker fan? Yeah, you know what? I- I'll say it like this, big bro. I put my I'm a Chicago Bulls fan number one, but you know what? I've been a Lakers fan too. I'm gonna say Lakers would be my second favorite team, and you know, definitely, you know, God rest, you know, uh, God bless Kobe Bryant and you know Gigi and them, and you know, I, you know, to me, Kobe was the like Mike. You know, I've always felt that Kobe was the real like Mike in the flesh. You know, back in the '90s when they had that you know commercial, I want to be like Mike and all of that. And I I always looked at Kobe as the real like Mike, I, you know, I see how he shadowed him and, you know, just kind of, you know, studied him out and figured him out, you know, you know, do the same moves he do on that court. And that's when I fell in love with Kobe. I'm like, man, Kobe is the real like Mike. And that's when, you know, I just became a Laker fan back in like 99. I'll say that, you know, especially I had that, you know, NBA, of course, I had Kobe Bryant for N64. That was my, you know, that was my thing right there too. So, you know, I was a big fan of that, but definitely love the Lakers, man. And, Glad they brought home another championship with LeBron, man. You know, it's been 10 years since, you know, it went down, you know, last championship, and it's good to see that my man did it, and I know he did it for my man Kobe and Gigi up in heaven, big smiling down on him. So, you know, it's, it's, it's love, and, you know, especially at the times we're going through right now, you know, that's what L.A. really needed, you know what I mean? So definitely, you know, especially with the, you know, loss to Kobe, and then last year lost to, you know, Nip Hustle, you know, rest in peace, so... Definitely, the you know, L.A. definitely need that, you know, that win so we can get that good vibe and that good feeling, 
You know, we even kind of took, you know, two major losses with the, you know, two, you know, year, you know, year back to back. So it's good to see LA happy right now. Yeah, man. I think, man, people don't really know. Like, it's crazy Kobe friends, but when you're a Kobe and a Laker fan and you're from LA, I don't think people understand the level of crazy it get out in California, man. I remember I was a big Laker hater. I always wanted to go against the grain, but like out there, it's like blasphemy. It's like banging a set. You know, everybody that don't bang try to bang Laker gang, uh, stuff like that. But it's like, oh man, I remember when they battled Sacramento. I wanted them to win so bad, but that's when Robert Ori hit that shot. I was like, yep. oh <laughs> shit, man. And I remember that yep. too, man. And I remember one yep. time. I remember Derek Fisher when he hit that point four shot. I was in a barber shop, man, on the east side of Lancaster, and I was like, "Oh fuck, man!" I was like, "Yo, the Lakers are really like just good like that, man." I couldn't stand the Lakers, but I always respected Kobe's game. I respected his drive, man. Definitely rest in peace to him and his daughter. Oh rest, yeah, definitely, man. Rest in peace, Nip Hustle, man. But man, talk about the man, the impact of Nip. Like L.A., when they love you, they love you because I feel like. It's Hollywood, it's LA, it's hard to get like notice. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody like yeah. yeah, everybody come out here and say they somebody, but Nipsey Hustle and Kobe Bryant really cemented themselves in the city and was really, really loved for real, for real, man. Talk about that impact of Nip Hustle. I seen on your uh, you know, I try to get some research for the podcast. Now, did you go to the funeral service? Was you out there? Yeah, man, I had to go there and show my love and support to Nip because, you know, Nip was one of my favorite L.A. rappers, and I had just got on, uh, I had just started getting into him back in, like, maybe late 2008. You know, he kind of reminded me of a, a, a new Snoop in a way, but, like, with the, you know, but with the with the, a more lyricist sound, you know what I'm saying? So that's when I was just like, man, this guy kind of reminded me of, you know, Snoop in a way, but then, you know, and I got more into him, and then, you know, to find out that, you know, he was, you know, from... Um, Crenshaw Slauson, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, you don't see too many rappers coming from, you know, out of that area, you know what I'm saying? And for those who from L.A., they already know about the Crenshaw district and, you know, Slauson area, you know, it's just, you know, it's really rough out there, very gang-infested and whatnot, but, you know, for him and to have the type of knowledge that he had and the brilliant mindset he had, man, he definitely applied it to himself and, you know, definitely, you know, uh, you know, definitely showed uh, showed the world that, you know, different, uh, different scene of L.A. compared to, like, Hollywood, Beverly Hills, and you know, all the mother major landmarks out there. So, but uh, yeah, man, I went out there, man. Um, it was, it was beautiful, man. I got up real early in the morning, man. I said, man, I need to go out, man. You know, I never really got to meet Nick personally, but I felt like it was right for me to go down there. So my love and support being a fan and whatnot. So I went down there real early morning, man, before it got too crazy. So I came just in time, like, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, see the little memorial and everything. And, you know, it was crazy, too, because you you got different gangs, from, you know, you know, rivalry hoods, you know, all coming together. But it was all love, man. And that's one thing that I loved about it was seeing all that black love that, you know, grown men, you know, just hugging each other and introducing, it, you know, the, themselves to me and, you know, being very polite and everything. And I'm like, man, this is love. I, I love this. You know, it was, it, was, it was a lot of love out there. And it was, it was wonderful, you know. So, yeah, we was out there from, man, I was out there from, about seven in the morning to about maybe about six in the evening. So, you know, cause it, you know, it took them a while, you know, had the service and whatnot. And then they rolled past by and, uh, man, it was just a beautiful scene just to see everybody out there and, you know, showing they love the support to Nip and thanking him for what, you know, what he did for the community and what he just did for the world, you know? So, you know, yeah, I was, I was out there, big dog. I got a video, um, 
I think there's a little video of, uh, from, from what I got when I was out there. Um, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but yeah, it was a uh, yeah, I was right there in front, man. You know, they passed by and everything. It was really emotional, but it was it was great to you know be able to you know see the last lap, you know, ride in the flesh like that. So. You know, I'm glad I got to be a part of it. I've noticed a few little YouTube videos from people who are out there. I see I got a you know bit of a cameo in there, so it's pretty cool. So, but yeah, it was it was a lot of love that day. Definitely, LA definitely needed it. Yeah, man, man, Nipsey, man, I really mirror my life like behind his teachings. It was like a Elijah Muhammad type, Malcolm X type teachings yes, of sir. like black diligence and black love and black pride, black excellence. Learning business, studying, reading. He was like uh, eating better and, you know, juicing and stuff like that. He was really, really deep. He was trying to come out with the Dr. Sebi documentary. It's just everything about him and his teachings. I listen to his teachings almost like a religion. You know, I just really, really dig it. And, you know, uh, I know you say you don't listen to podcasts, but I talked about it a bunch of times before on a podcast, on my podcast that, um, I actually got a chance to meet him, man. It was crazy. Uh, for, oh, is that for, right? Yeah, for people that are listening, they're like, I heard this story, but, man, that's what – it just changed me because what happened was we went out to L.A. 2019 in January, only like two, okay. two and a half months before he passed. Unfortunately, man, me and my wife was out there. I was like, I got to go to the marathon store. Like, I want to go visit everything black for real and do that and show my wife L.A. in that way. Went to the marathon store. They was getting ready to shoot a commercial. So half the store was kind of closed off. But I went and bought, you know, two lighters or something. I just wanted to show support. The dude out there twirling a sign for the marathon store was like, yo, Nipsey in that car right there. I was like, no fucking way. No way. <laughs> he was like, bro, Nipsey in that car. right?" like, I come all the way from Atlanta. Just come to the store to show love. And this dude busy as hell. Hop out the car, tall as shit. My wife was like, "Damn, I didn't know he was that tall." Man, he gave me a dap, said what up, and went and shot his commercial, man. And then that was like, that's why Nipsey touched me in a different way, because it was like somebody else I look up to. You, you would love it, because they got a lot of East Coast rappers. Uh, it's called the Combat Jack Show. It's a man who passed, unfortunately. I got to meet him too. He had his own podcast, and he interviewed a lot of East Coast rappers and stuff like that. He was a great podcaster interviewer man he you know really started this combat jack man his name is reggio say he used to be like a hip-hop lawyer but really wanted to get into like journalism so he started this podcast but like i met him too as well before he passed awesome. of cancer you know and then so it's like those two people it lets you know like i really believe in signs in life and certain things in life make you feel like i'm doing this for a reason and i'm meeting these people for a reason and everything happens for a reason so Nipsey Hussle, Combat Jack, man, those are definitely two people in my life, man, that are just big impacts, man. So, where are you from originally in California? I, well, I was, yeah, I was born in Los Angeles, brother. I was born in Los Angeles, uh, actually Lakewood, uh, to be exact. Uh, you know, same thing. Uh, lived there for about, I, mean, I lived there till I was about like maybe six, seven years old, man. And then we ended up, uh, who my mother ended up with at the time, we had moved to the Midwest and we lived in Kansas City, Missouri for only like two months. And then back in like summer of 98, that's when we moved to um, Lancaster. So then I've been in Lancaster ever since. You know, I went to the little L uh, Lincoln Elementary right there. And then from there, I went to the uh, New Vista. And then that's when I remember I had seen you 
And, uh, okay, and then that's when I found out you was from the East. I was like, oh, is that right? Oh, okay, cool. And then after, you know, after graduation and all of that, I remember, you know, I think you I think you went to another high school for, like, maybe in the beginning of the year. And then I ended up seeing you ended up at AZ. I was like, oh, okay, for sure, you know. And then uh, we ended up uh, having a few classes together. I remember that. It was senior year. So, you know, it was just, it was, you know, it was just cool because, I remember y'all used to be on me because, you know, I was like one of the only dudes in high school, you know, I was, you know, who had like a lot of facial hair. So, you know, I know you remember our boy Juice, the barber, uh, the Jamaican barber, you know, used to, you know, be chopping us down. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, used to yeah. have me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he had, you know, and he was from New York too. You know, I want to say, I think he was from Manhattan or something, he said. I thought he was from but, um, upstate or something, but he might have been from the city. I'm not sure. But I do remember him. Yeah. Dark skin yeah, dude with yeah. the dreads, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, and, you know, he used to cut me up back in the day, too, before um, before I even went to high school. But, uh, yeah, I remember he used to chop me up real. And everybody used to, you know, everybody used to trip on my lineup, you know, because, you, know, you know, I'm still in high school. I'm only 17 and I got this, all this facial hair, you know, and then they, he used to always hook me up nice, you know. But, you know, he just kind of lost. I just kind of lost uh, in touch with him, though. You know what I'm saying? I wish that, I wish I hadn't because, you know, he used to bless me. But, I, you know, I understand, you know, you got to make other moves or whatnot. But, you know, so, yeah, I, I bet for the most part, you know, I grew up mainly in Lancaster, you know. So, um, but, you know, originally all my family, they're from the L.A. area, really, like the Watts area, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, so let's talk yeah. about, man, for people that don't know, man, try to paint a picture for them of Lancaster, man. Because Lancaster, when I left, I realized, like, yo, this shit was kind of wild a little bit. And then, like, I don't know if you've seen Snoop's... um netflix documentary and they talked about lancaster. yeah they talked about mm-hmm. lancaster briefly and what they said on there was that a lot of people hood dudes real serious gang members for real trying to change their life they move out to lancaster so he was the snoop dog was saying lancaster ain't no hoe man so explain to people man a little about about the lancaster you grew up in because i know it got worse over time but like lancaster oh, was like a release for a lot of people trying to escape L.A. because it was cheaper, but what's the exactly. La- Lancaster you kind of grew up in? Well, Lancaster I grew up in, man, it was pretty, it was more, it was more uh, prominently uh, like, you know, white people, uh, you know, everywhere you saw white people, this, you know, you didn't really see as many, you know, black people, you know, but I want to say about early 2000s, that's when they started coming in. And like as you just said, you know, a lot of people, it was like a getaway, you know, from the, the areas of uh, of L.A. and the Valley and whatnot, because, of course, you know, you come to Lancaster, you know, you got, you know, the rent is cheap. And, you know, so that just, you know, word of mouth goes out. And that's just when everyone just kind of migrates there. So as I want to say about my seventh grade year, that's when I started to notice, you know, I started to see more blacks coming in. And it was crazy because not only the but see, but the black people that you got were the black people that came from, like, the, you know, the low-income areas. So you got them from Compton, uh, Watt, Los Angeles, Long Beach, all those, you know, bad places because, you know, they move out there, they, you know, kind of get on the little, you know, the, the county assistance program, you know, the welfare and all of that, which, you know, they go out there and kind of, you know, kind of living kind of pretty good. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, they still kind of doing their dirt and whatnot. I mean, I, I could tell you many houses I have been to that you would have never thought they was low-key trap houses, you know what I'm saying, where – 
you know, you didn't got all the relatives and the family members living together looking good, but the next thing you know, they kind of, you know, opening up shop in the backyard or the garage, you know, kind of got it popping or whatnot. So, yeah, it was real, man. Lancaster was really real. And it's funny because you had a lot of cats that would come out from, like, the L.A. area and all these other places going to Lancaster, thinking that Lancaster ain't shit. You know, all y'all, you know, niggas were trying to be pressing niggas, like, oh, no, Lancaster's niggas that until, you know, till niggas showed them, like, hey, you know, like, nigga, this ain't, you know, this ain't no joke out here. You know, niggas was getting killed, you know. I know you remember back in, you know, high school days, the house parties was kind of popping, you know what I'm saying? But I remember every Monday coming back to school, somebody got killed, somebody got shot, or this person shot their house up. I'm like, what? It was getting out of hand yeah, for me. Like for my first death that I ever dealt with, uh, I went to Lancaster uh, for ninth and part of tenth before I went to AV. And my uh, rest in peace, man. My homeboy Devonte, man. We had a class together, or whatever. Got killed over like a chirp phone. You know what I mean? Like a, a yeah, a, a, like I remember a that I story. I fit like a cheap one of those cheap ass chirp phones, but I think it was you know was you know LA dude or something like that coming to party yeah. tripping or whatever and then like he got shot and then like after that it just seemed like the i was around i remember just being at school niggas was saying they was gonna get jumped and my homeboys like nigga i got the burn on me ain't nobody getting jumped. i was like yo like so like when i moved out here you, you really sit and think i was like yo Lancaster's fucking wild as shit like it was really with the yeah. shits and, and niggas don't know i mean you know if you from la the black and Mexicans riots pop off every year, you know, every year. It like it'd be a big old rumble at the schools. Like people wouldn't understand that. Like, unless you part of that, you know, LA California culture that that shit really happens like that. And it sucks for me because I've always been cool with both sides. I feel like you the same. Like we cool with both sides, the black and the Mexicans, so we kind of stuck yeah, in the middle. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it sucks because yeah, like if if they getting it popping, ain't nobody trying to hear like, oh, he cool, don't hit him if they don't know you. You know what I'm saying? You gotta choose. Yeah. So yeah, man, yeah. shit was wild, man. Lancaster, it, man. it really was big dog, and it's crazy because like I, you know we all look back at that now. Like Lancaster really wasn't you know nothing to really be playing with. Like it was really turned up. Like you know, and especially after I had moved, like. After graduation, that's when I was just hearing about everybody like, oh, somebody, oh, he got killed, he got shot. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like are you for real? And it was crazy because after I had my son, I was, the, you know, because I ended up out here in um, Ontario, you know, in the IE area. So I ended up out here, and you know, I wasn't really feeling it too much because you know it was it was more suburban over here. Well, you know, so yeah, mainly suburbia. But where I was staying was, of course, you know, it was still kind of low income, but. You know, I was trying to tell my son, uh, my son's mom, you know, like, hey, look, you know, we, you know, maybe we should go back. It's cheaper, this and that. And then she told me, why did you want to go back? There ain't nothing going on. And then, you know, and when I was hearing about it, when I, you know, because my, mo my mother still li lives out there. So, you know, I go out there and I visit and whatnot. And everybody I go visit, they tell me, like, man, man, such and such happened, this happened. Now I'm like, what? You know, Lancaster to me was like a, uh, I, used to, I used to think of it a, of like a little L.A. almost. You know what I'm saying? Because... You know, that's mainly that's where majority of all the, you know, dirt kind of come from is from over there and then over, you know, you know, to Lancaster or whatever. So it's just it was just it was just crazy. It was just, you know, like you can't even walk around no more. You really couldn't even walk around no more than you know how it was. 
And you know, you know, being on the bus, and I remember I've been seeing, I've been seeing all kind of people fight on the bus, and the police have to pull over the bus and arrest niggas off the bus. You know, it was crazy, you know, because I always took the bus, especially in high school. I was always on the bus. Yeah, the bus, man. All that. Taking the four, the twelve, straight <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah, you know what I mean, four, like, 11, shout out to my Lancaster niggas, man. What up, man? Yeah, like people don't yeah. understand, like, yo, when you leave a place, they say just like when you was poor or this or that. You don't notice how fucked up shit was until you leave that situation, till you leave yeah. a relationship, shit like that. And, man, Lancaster, man, not trying to glorify it. I grew up on 17th Street East next to, uh, yeah, right next here. to, uh, yep. what's the name, the uh, Walmart. And then we moved by Eastside Park. Before I left, yep. we moved by Eastside Park right next to AV, so I used to walk. So it's just like, yo, shit was wild, wild. When you leave, you realize, like, how wild it is and it's a blessing to make it out because you talk to people oh yeah like yo that shit was like bad and everybody but see what it is about lancaster what makes it bad is that the la niggas will come there and gas lancaster niggas so the skateboard niggas and the shit that was cool and grew up suburban they with the shits because they trying to prove to somebody else like i'll air this bitch out i'll shoot at this shit i'll do whatever the fuck like i don't give a fuck so, like, that's what I think fucked up Lancaster is niggas trying to prove themselves. And at that young age, that 15 to 21, you wild as shit. Like, you crazy, man. You like, yo, yeah. I'm nuts for real. I'll shoot anything. I'll do anything. I remember when I was leaving, like, ecstasy was big. When I was leaving, a lot of the homies was getting, like, fucked up on ecstasy. I'm like, damn, like, this yeah. shit crazy. Because, like, usually you like, yo, that's white people drugs. Like, Nobody don't fuck yeah. with no ecstasy. Niggas smoke weed, yeah. but nobody don't fuck with no that. But, like, it's crazy, like, where we at now, like, in hip-hop and shit like that, too, because everybody doing pills and lean and all kind of shit. And I could see the change when I was leaving around that 06, 07. Like, niggas start getting into ecstasy. They was off them pills, and that shit was, like, people were crazy, crazy, man. But... Oh, man, definitely. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, that, you know, Lancaster was known to be, you know, methamphetamine capital. Oh, so, you know, yeah. that, you know what I'm saying? And that, that was one of the major things that was popping out there was, too, you know. And then son, and I used to see some niggas would, you know, start getting hooked on that shit, too. Started lacing it up and they blunts and shit just to, you know. And I used to be like, nah, man, I can't do none of that. I mean, that's that man-made shit. Like, I don't mess with it, you know what I'm saying? So it just, just it, you know, tripped me out. Like, I'm, you know, that niggas is really out here doing the most. Bro. I'm like, nah, man, I can't be doing that, though, so. She got turned up, man. So yeah, man. So I definitely, I too was uh looking through your um Instagram and stuff. And you said your mom does she have a book or something like that talking about being a survivor or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, that that's something that had happened in Lancaster too. In uh, in August of 1999, my mother was brutally stabbed um seven uh seven, eighteen times. Um, you know, so she uh. You know, it, it was crazy. It um, it happened actually right there off of, uh, 15th Street, right uh, right across where we used to live, right across the street from Lincoln Elementary. And uh, you know, it was and another crazy fact about that too is because who she was with at the time, he was on methamphetamine. You know, he was using he was a, you know he used methamphetamine. It, it, it's crazy to believe, but he was actually you know he was like a heavyweight boxer dude and this and that and then. You know, he just kind of got hooked on to, you know, mess out there. You know, he didn't even know nothing about it until he had got out there. But because he had worked, you know, long nights and hours, you know, he needed something to keep him up. So, you know, that's something that will keep you up for days, you know what I'm saying, is that shit. So, 
you know, I guess he didn't got hooked on to it. And then, you know, um, I really don't remember everything that happened. I was only 11 at the time. So um, I just remember, you know, everything had gone down or whatnot. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I just thank the grace of God that, you know, my mother was able to you know, survive after that, you know, losing about, I think like three pints of blood or something like that, man. It was, it was crazy, you know? So now she's been, you know, a, a, a big, uh, you know, domestic violence, like, you know, counselor and, you know, so she, you know, uh, published her own book and whatnot. It's been doing really well on Amazon. So uh, she's been getting a lot of uh, feedback from a lot of people, even like, I think a few celebrities reached out to her, um, so she, um, she's, I think she's been working with, uh, a couple of people, uh, down in, uh, I think that Nyes or, or, I believe it is, or Sherman Oak somewhere. I, um, she's been going there to these little, um, meetings and whatnot. And, uh, she's been having these, uh, um, book signings and everything. So it's really been going good for her though. So it's just, uh, you know, it's just domestic violence awareness that she promotes and everything. And she tries to help other women in that situation and, you know, how to, uh, you know, be able to. Uh, you know, get out of those situations and whatnot. So it, it really, it really changed the life of the better. You know, not only did she kind of go through that stuff too with who she was with at the time, but you know, like as my father, he was, he was pretty abusive to her as well. So, um, you know, it, she just, you know, she just felt like maybe this was something for her that she was put on here to be was a, you know, domestic violence, you know, counselor and whatnot, and uh, help people, you know, help women, you know, get out of those situations. So, but it was doing, but the book does really good. Um, it's called Stab to Life uh, is the name of the book. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, I, I believe it, I think it's Amazon, I believe. You can go ahead and check it out, though. But it's a really good book. It's, it's been doing really well for a little over a year now. So, yeah, so that's all she's just been doing. It's just been, you know, getting that, um, getting that uh, going on or whatnot. So, but she, and she's still in Lancaster, too. I still, I was just out there the other day, not too long, trying to visit with her and whatnot, but think she was uh still at work so man big yeah, shout out to your mom blessing to your mom man it's a yeah and it's called stab to life man go get that book go check it out for anybody interested and you know yeah man, please do please do it's, it's definitely good you know i got you know i got a bit of a story in there too you know she all you know mentioned that with me and my sister and whatnot so you know it, it talks about it all it talks about everything she went through so you know it's very powerful Man, definitely, man, and, and then, then, cause I wanted to talk about that to talk about this. The whole reason why I really reached out and wanted to get you on here, and I just felt the connection and the vibe. I really seen how you a stand up guy with your son, and like coming from you know a lot of black men in the communities and stuff like that. Especially being a father at a young age, you see a lot of people leave, and they just like fuck that, and like I don't want to be a part of that so i always knew you was a good dude but really i really admired from afar because we this is our first time speaking in uh, shit 13 14 15 years but what yeah, really made I'm... me reach out man was really the father you are just watching that over the years just through social media you know you see a lot of bullshit a lot of shenanigans but i never see that from you and that's what i want to do with my platform my podcast to uplift the everyday people, the people on the come up, the people that are just doing great things and put out positivity in this world full of negativity. So that's the real reason why I really reached out. So I wanted to ask you, man, like what was it growing up in your life that you wanted to give different or you wanted to do different when it was your turn to have a child? Man, it just, you know, it really hit me real quick. Cause you know, I like, um, 
you know, I got, you know, I, when I got with my son's mom, you know, we was in high school. I was, you know, about 16. When I turned about 17, that's when she ended up getting pregnant. So now I'm already like, oh, man, I'm about to be a father. I still got to finish high school and everything. You know, during the whole, that whole time, senior year, you know, I really never, you know, mentioned it to nobody that, you know, I was going to, you know, be a father and have a kid. It was just, you know, I, I still kind of had, like, my mind going in circles about, you know, around things about what I wanted to uh doing myself, what I was going to do, how am I going to, you know, I'm still behind a few credits. I'm still like, you know, so I just wanted to, you know, just kind of focus on that before I announced anything. But man, just um, when I, when I had my son, man, it really showed me like, all right, now this is your turn to like really do a better job than what your father had done with you. And that's what I wanted to do. I've always wanted to be that dad to give him, you know, something that, you know, my father never gave to me, which was, you know, practically nothing, you know what I mean? I mean, my father always had, you know, some kind of excuse why he couldn't come spend time with me and this and that. And it's like now, you know, my son, anything he wants, I'm always there. You know, it's like that's one thing I want him to show is, you know, the love of your, you know, the love of your child, you know, to show that, you know, you got to show, show, show your child, you know, that you love them, you know, dearly and that they know that you love them, you know, because with, with the, with the absence of, you know, a parent, you know what I'm saying, with your child, it's kind of like, you know, they're having to think, like, man, do my mom, dad, do they, you know, does my dad love me or do they care? I mean, they're not really care. They ain't really talking to me. They ain't showing. So it just had me thinking, like, man, I got to show my son something different, you know. So I showed him, you know, I showed him everything, you know, how to be responsible, and the, you know, to, you know, how to, you know, present yourself as a human being and, you know, because the last thing I wanted him to do is to be ever looked upon as, you know, oh, this guy's nothing, uh, he's not professional, he's, you know what I'm saying? So I get on this case a lot about, you know, carrying himself as a, you know, as a person. And um, one of the things is that, uh, you know, I like, you know, like my dad always has an excuse for when he tried to, you know, sleep with me and everything. And, you know, he never really showed me that, you know, he he wanted to be there. So, you know, I wanted to, and that hurts. You know, having that emotion and, you know, having that pain, feeling like, man, I don't think my dad, you know, you know, you know, doesn't care about me. You know, that that's sad. That, you know, that breaks my heart. That would, that would devastate me if my son ever had felt that way of me, you know. So wanted to show him different. So I try to, you know, I make sure I'm there for him, you know. And, you know, it's crazy because he's always lived, um, you know, pretty far distance from me. But always make sure I have enough gas to make him, you know, get him there and pick him up, spend time with me and, you know, I always, I always make sure I got, you know, I always put him first. And as as a parent, that's what we all should do is put our kids first and show them that, that they that they come first before anything else. So, you know, I just, um, you know, I'm trying to educate them right now on some things because, you know, now that I'm more woke of, of the world and whatnot, you know, and with the history of everything like that, you know, I, I, I explain it to them. I feel more comfortable explaining it to them than, you know, than a teacher or some, you know, or a tutor or whatever. So I, you know, I wanted, you know, I don't want him to be thinking that, you know, this is, this is, oh, this is what it really is, but that's not how it is. They teach you in that classroom. I, you know, I don't believe in none of that. So we do our own little history research and whatnot together. So, you know, and being a young black man, you know, especially the thing that's been going on in this world, my next step is to kind of really teach him about his, you know, his rights, his, you know, his laws, the laws and everything like that. Cause you know, it, it, I, I, you know, and I, I try to inspire a lot of us, you know, black dads to do that to our young because, you know what I'm saying, think, you know, you got these cops are going around thinking they could just, you know, mess with these young guys thinking they don't know they, you know, rights or whatnot and, you know, take advantage of that. So that's why I started on him now, you know, so that that way, you know, he, you know, he don't be feeling like as if he don't know anything that they can just kind of, you know, dance him around with, you know, with stupid shit, you know, trying to make him seem like, 
oh, I'm at, I'm at fault for doing something. No, you're not at fault because that's not what you didn't do anything wrong. They trying to make you feel like you did something wrong, but you didn't. And that's the last, you know, and that's the one thing I hate to see is, you know, our, you know, our young black kids going down for stuff like that because they, you know, not, uh, you know, not brought up to, you know, the laws, their rights, and everything like that. So that's just the one thing I've been working on with now, and, um, you know, just, uh, man, just man, I'm really just, you know, just glad to be, be able to be there for my son and whatnot. I know some fathers, they, I'm pretty sure they may want, they would like to be as well, but you know, maybe with hard times and everything, but. You know, I always try. You know, I always try to, you know, make sure I'm gonna get to see my son. Like I tell him, you know, every time I tell him that I'm, you know, gonna come pick him up, spend some time with him, I always, you know, I always check my word. And it's gonna always be like that. And um, I'm just uh, thankful enough that you know God has gave me the, you know, ability to, you know, do that, having a, you know, a reliable car, transportation, and whatnot, and be able to get to him. And I, that's one thing I try to encourage to a lot of us, you know, a lot of us uh, black dads, you know, because we got, you know, we gotta bad reputation, you know, to be looked upon as if we ain't, you know what I'm saying, like we ain't shit, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, you see, you know, the black man always is always getting downplayed and always talked bashed upon and all this and that, and one thing I'm trying to do is trying to, you know, break that cycle, trying to show something different and try to, you know, inspire other uh, black dads too, like, come on, that's not, you know, that's not be looked at this because we are the ones that are so quick to be bashed down to be as if we're dead beats and we're not. So, you know, that's one thing I've always wanted to do, too, is just, you know, just inspire a lot of, you know, black dads out there that, you know, you know we can do better than this. That's not, that's not be looked at as what they want us to look at, at you know, look at that as dogs and, you know, just low lives and this and that. So that's just something I'm, you know, I'm really big on right now, making sure that we can change that. Yeah, and I so. just, uh, man, that's really, you know, what I, I just seen, you know, we was on, instagram and stuff together but i've always seen you know you just being a good dad and i'm just you know i'm trying to get the positive messages out there because we see so much the pandemic the treatment of black people the horrific treatment of black people that we deal with on a daily and stuff so with my podcast like i said i wanted to do that and i want to give people their flowers and let people know you know and i want to give them a platform that's something they can go back and listen to one day like damn i did that and they want to feel good about themselves. They go back and listen to this podcast, and just man, I just really, I just really wanted to reach out for real because I was like, "Yo, he's a good dad, man. He's always been a cool dude, but it's way better that he's a good dad." And I think what people fail to realize too, like money gonna come and go. Sometimes you lose a job, sometimes you lose your business, sometimes you lose things. But the main thing is that the time, the time you spent. And to show your kid you was there, you see, like, Kevin Durant get so emotional and different things like that, different athletes that run into money because they remember what it was like to not have money, but then they know that their mom and stuff was there. This coach was there. This person was there. It ain't about the money. It's about the time. And I really, really love that, you know, like, I see, you know, you go to basketball with him, you do this, you do that. You just, like, a cheerleader for him, so – I think that's yeah, dope, man. I think that's real dope, man. But now I know you got into fitness and stuff like that too. Like that's another thing that black people need to invest in their health and stuff like that. When did you uh, make the change, or have you always been into like fitness and stuff like that? Well, you know, a funny thing behind that, big dog, because about uh, let's say about uh, I want to say about maybe around two thousand and eight. But like summer about 2008, my son had just turned two. 
um, you know, I was going through a really, I was going through a really hard time because, you know, my son's mom, she was kind of, you know, interested in something else, you know what I'm saying? And I'm feeling like I ain't good enough in the job that I have, but it was crazy because like we had an apartment, we both had cars, you know what I'm saying? We both had decent jobs and, you know, everything was going good, but apparently I didn't know if that was good enough for her. So I guess some other, you know, somebody else then kind of, you know, got her attention and whatnot. So now I'm feeling kind of like, you know, what's wrong with me? And then I find out this dude, he's a little taller, you know, but he was more linky, skinny or whatnot. So I'm thinking, is that what it was? Maybe was he better looking or whatnot? So, um, you know, it, 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 it hurt me to a point where like, you know, I didn't have an appetite for anything. I couldn't eat. You know, I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't do anything, couldn't sleep. It was really bad, you know, because I'm, you know, I felt like, you know, this was practically, this is it. Like, you know what I mean? She's going to leave me for this guy. So, you know, it was just, it was one thing, you know, so I lost the weight, you know, by stress. My my stress went from zero to 100 around that, that time, you know. So I ended up losing about 70 pounds due to, you know, not eating and everything like that, which was, you know, the the wrong way. But then after we finally separated, you know, since I lost all the weight, you know, something was telling me like, man, I should, you know, I need to get the weight back on. So I ended up uh, getting, um, uh, ended up meeting somebody who I worked with, and you know, he uh, he had a gym at the house and whatnot, and we just started, you know, hitting the weights. He showed me how to eat properly, you know, get the right nutrition in and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So this was like I was about 23 now. This is when I'm, you know. I was, you know, going to the gym faithfully every day, making sure I eat the right things and a lot of water. Hey, man, a lot of water really helps. Drinking a lot of water really helps. Trust me. That's one thing I try to do now is get back on my water game, uh, eating water, uh, drinking water a lot, uh, a lot of greens, a lot of greens in the diet, and a lot of protein, um, cutting out sugars, cutting out a lot of carbs, man. Man, cutting out a lot of carbs definitely do the trick. I'll tell you that right now, man. You leave all them carbs and breads alone, Man, you'll you'll see results within you'll you'll see results within a within a month or so for real, real quick too. It it, it, it amazes me how all that cutting all that out can definitely change your body. Like it, you know, it's really not even more of the exercise; it's more of the what you you know put in your body. So you know, as I started to you know do the detoxes and everything like that, and a lot of people were like, man, you must you work out. I'm like, honestly, it's it's more of what I eat. You know, I go to the gym for about an hour, and that's about it, you know. But it's it's really based on how you, you know, what you're eating and what you're consuming. So, you know, that's um, one of the things that uh, I was on faithfully with that. Yeah, I fell off here and there. I'm actually uh, getting back into it with, um, the, with the nutrition and everything. Been getting back into it because, you know, with all this COVID and everything going on, you know, it's kind of got the, you know, really got the time to do more of it now. So, you know, I just YouTube a bunch of uh, tutorials and whatnot, watching little exercise videos, you know, and then I just apply it to myself and, you know, just go from there. But, uh, you know, that's that's uh, where I'm at right now as far as um, getting back onto my nutrition. But before it was, man, it was it was on and cracking because I was, I mean, I was eating my grilled chicken, my steamed vegetables, and, you know, uh, I cut out a lot of uh, red meats, definitely cut out the red meats. Um, uh, uh, pork, cut that off completely. Uh, just a, a lot, a lot of you know, uh, skinless, uh, skinless and boneless chicken breast. Ate more of that. Ate, made sure I ate greens with every meal that I had. 
Um, as far as snacks went, you know, I did that every two hours. Uh, would eat some, uh, would eat like a piece of fruit and, you know, some like walnuts or whatever. And then just, uh, you know, just to keep the body, you know, energized. You know, see, one thing is we shouldn't eat to get full. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing I learned too. We, don't, we shouldn't eat to get full. We need to eat to be energized. Because when you get full, you notice the, your movement and how you are and you're, oh, I got to get a nap now. You know what I'm saying? Now you need to go lay down. And then it just, you know what I'm saying? That's another way of, you know, becoming lazy is when you need to get full, you don't want to do nothing after that. So that's one thing that I've learned through all of this. And I've decided to, you know, try to just eat a nice portion of, you know, that's going to, you know, um, have me, keep me, keep me going, you know, nothing that's going to slow me down. And I still want to be able to, you know, go on my little, you know, run or stay active or whatever we got to go do. And I don't want to feel like I got to sit out and, you know, sleep it off for a minute. So, yeah. So those them days are definitely over for me. So. Yeah, and that's but, uh, just, that's just dope, man. And I I I think people don't really realize the motivation of women and things like that in your life is that like it could stress you out, but it could produce a good result in your life. Cause I, you know, I've met people before that they felt like they was losing a girl, they wanted to impress a girl, and lost weight and stuff like that, and also stress as well. I know people that have stressed out. But then after they done with they stressing, they said, since I'm down anyway, they was like, well, I might as well do some right things with it. But I think people really don't realize how much, you know, of like, you know, depression and emotion could play into like something bad could turn into something good like it did in your life. So I really appreciate you sharing that with me, man. For real. That was dope. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, man. But definitely. Like uh, hip hop too. I was like, man, number one was raising your son, but another one was hip hop. I was like, yo, I know my boy D knows the hip hop for real. So, got some questions for you, man. With Nas, Nas is legendary. Everybody knows that. But the battle is, which one do you like better, Illmatic or It Was Written? Man, that's a tough one, big dog. But you want to know what? The one that I could like. The one, the, the one album I can remember for sure was Stillmatic. Stillmatic at that time was like, you know, definitely classic. You know, it was written was de- is definitely one of my favorites as well too. But the Stillmatic when that came out was that 2001, I believe. Um, man, that that right there, that that that's what I'm gonna have to go with right there. Cause Stillmatic was like, I, that's when I really got it more into him. Cause I, I listened to that really. I, was, I no no actually was it um, not Stillmatic. I think it was uh, I Am. That, I think that was I, I think that was the one that I uh, the one I first started when I first started really listening to Nas. But then I start but then when I heard Stillmatic, I'm thinking like, oh, okay, Nas was lyricist, you know, he was lyrical. Like I like this right here. But then like and but see, and then from there, that's when I you know had a backdraft and listened to his old stuff, you know, and that's when I kind of heard like it was written and everything and all of that. So that's why I was just like, man, but still Mac is definitely one of my, you know, I'm going to have to choose that one because that one right there was definitely a, a banger that I had on my, uh, what was it, the Napster, when the, when the Napster, the music download shit was popping back then, I remember I had that. Napster, <laughs> man, man, or the MP3 players and stuff like that. Man. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, that, I'm not but, yeah, man, like, and I felt like, what'd you say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, one of the songs, too, on Stillmatic that made me realize how talented Nas was, was the song Rewind, when he rapped backwards, you know, like, you know, telling the whole story backwards and all that. Like, I was just like, I ain't never heard a rapper do no, nothing like that. You nah, know what I'm saying? I was Nas, just like, I, yeah, Nas is just legendary, man, but 
I know uh, as far as the Illmatic, and it was written like people like Illmatic Chains, but I was like, yo, I really like it was written, man, because it had I, If I Ruled the World. It had like a lot of like popular, you know, stuff like that. But I was like, yo, and the beats were amazing, amazing. So that's always been a big battle. Illmatic, his first one, because it changed the game versus it was written. But I was like, I'm a it was written fan, but I love both of them, but I go against the grain i like that it was written man another thing man american gangster i feel like a lot of people slept on that one man did you think that was a good cd from jay-z man i enjoyed it but a lot of people I was like nah. I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it i enjoyed it it was cool i felt like he could have been a bit better to me personally i really think he could have been a bit better you know but when we talk about when we talk about jay when we talk about jay though I mean, man, Hard Knock Life Volume 2, that's the all-time, that's my all-time favorite right there. Like, you know what I'm saying? That right there was like, I feel like that still is holding the crown on every album. You know what I'm saying? Because that right there was just like, man, that's when I really, really got into Jay besides the reasonable doubt. Because I remember my uncle, I'll never forget my uncle had that. And I was thinking like, okay, this, you know, the one song that I really liked, uh, oh no, that was, I'm sorry, that wasn't reasonable doubt. That was in my lifetime, Volume 1, when he did the Sunshine with the baby face and Foxy Brown. That shit, you know, I, I used to hear, you know, I used to love that song a lot too. But then when I heard that uh, Hard Knock Life Volume 2, that just changed it up. You know, that just changed everything for me. But American Gangster, I would say, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it wouldn't be a first selection when I want to know when I want to listen to Jay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, no, you know, yeah. I, I just thought I love the old school vibe of it. Like, I don't really like Hello Brooklyn and the different things like that. But I love the, like, 70s feel and vibe to it, man. But definitely, you know... Uh, that volume two was the first CD I ever bought. Everybody remembers like the first CD they purchased on their own. That was the first one I ever got, man. And I was like, yo, this joint is hard for real, man. But Jay Z is like, uh, you know, so real quick, reasonable doubt or blueprint? Which one you gonna pick if you gotta choose one to listen to forever? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with reasonable doubt, big dog. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go lose it without, yeah. Yeah, man, but yeah, it's so crazy too. And I, what I love about hip hop, man, is that everybody realized that hip hop and music, the music industry, period, financially, is a very, very small portion of what you really want to do in your end goal of life. And I just love that we have Nas and Jay Z and the Rick Ross and. Uh, like Styles P, I take uh, Black Sea Oil. It's something like he got a uh, pharmacy for life, but they spell it like with an F, like farm raise for life. Black Sea Oil is like a type of liquid or you can get a tablet of like a health thing that you could take. Uh, you got Rick Ross with Wingstop. You got Jay-Z being a billionaire from all the titles, Rock Nations and different things. And what I love about hip hop, man, is that like the growth and what is showing our community that you can be bigger than just music. Music is like, you know, they say weed is the gateway drug. I feel like music I, is a gateway drug for business, man. So, like, I really love that I was attracted, that was on my to-do list to go to the marathon store and stuff like that. I really love the maturity in hip-hop of, like, these black dudes that took nothing, turned into something, and they get these seven... 12 a bunch of different streams of income man how do you feel about like just how the growth of hip-hop and how it branched off into so many different things man i'm actually i'm i'm really you know i'm really shocked by how it's you know changed especially over these years you know first you know it went from like i remember back in the days when 
you know, they were selling tapes out their trunk and, you know, dudes are selling, you know, trying to sell their little mixtapes on, you know, they, you know, they see these at school out their backpacks and doing all of this. To- Let's take a quick break to make sure that y'all following. This is recorded on Instagram in that AUG4TH photography. That's Fourth photography. Uh, tell somebody to tell somebody about this podcast. This is recorded. It's legendary. We're doing great things. We're only getting bigger. We're only getting better. And we always need your support. Thank you. Okay, okay, ladies and gentlemen, life goes on. We took a brief intermission break. Uh, but I want to ask you, man, how do you feel about uh, ghostwriting? Because this is my thing. Like, for me, as far as rap goes, you can't claim to be the best, obviously, right. if you have a ghostwriter. Right. Like, that's just out the window. But yes. I feel like in the studio, it seemed like the chemistry or your homeboys around seem like a lot of people get hooks. But um, I guess I'm saying for me, far as like, obviously, it's like Drake, you know, the elephant in the room. But I just feel like he makes really, really good music. And I mean, he does R&B, too. But I feel like some of his stories is so in-depth. It's hard for me to believe that, you know, like, oh, Courtney from Hooters on Peachtree and this and that. It's hard for me to believe that he really gets ghostwriters. I think he gets help with hooks. I think he gets help with ideas. But even, like, the song that they leaked was, like, Running Through the Six of My Woes. That's just some singy shit. But, like, his bars yeah. and his rapping, I really feel like that's him, man. So how do you feel about ghostwriting and stuff like that? Yeah, ghostwriting to me, I mean, as far as it goes, I mean, if they can, you know, whoever it is going to, you know, if you're going to give you an idea or something, you know, you know, kind of, you know, putting your putting your uh, rights or whatever, and you know, thinking that you're putting your raps or whatever, and thinking that, uh, you know, you know, because it's more, you know, it's it's not really self credit, you know. what I'm saying, it's, I feel like it's also a, a you know credit uh, from somebody who gave, you know, that that was uh, given from them, and you know, they got credit from someone else, you know. I mean, the whole ghostwriting thing, I felt like if you're gonna be, you know, at least give the credit to the person who helped you out. So I think as far as that goes, I mean, if, if they help, if they maybe they said it and then, you know, they may find it as if you seen, say it better, it's like, you know, one of them say, okay, cool. But, you know, at least, you know, shout that person out, you know, just don't take full credit for it. Cause I know a lot of these rappers would do it. And, you know, a lot of the people that do, it, you know, they'll stay kind of, you know, low key on it and don't want to make it seem like, oh, I wrote for him. But that, but if you notice when beef starts to stir up with a lot of rappers and whatnot, then that's when all the, you know, they then they get to be exposed. Like, oh, I wrote this raps, and you know, I I I did this for him. I ghostwriter for him, and this and that. Like, one thing I have found out, big dog, I didn't know. Like, uh, the brat apparently ghostwriter for Bow Wow, and um, oh man, was- the brat Ti. You know what I noticed about a lot yeah. of like ghostwriting and stuff like that is that when you insert a person's voice into whatever the uh person is like ghostwriting, because they said like. Um, uh, Nas wrote getting jiggy with it, and if you really think about the bars, you like, yo, I could imagine that, like, um, like just the way he be uh rapping, he like got the fees up for this other compiza. It's like, yo, yeah, it's like you if you insert Nas' voice in that, you like, oh shit, I could see that if you um, Bow Wow had the song Fresh as I'm Is, and that's like Ti. Like ghost write that, but if you think about it, he says, You ain't riding, you ain't riding, you ain't bumping like I'm bumping. Like that's the way you could really tell if somebody was ghostwriting some shit. I'm like, you could insert 
their voice into it is what I learned about ghostwriting, man. But I, yeah. I, I talked about that on one of the early podcasts I did with this dude for hip hop. He has a page uh, on Instagram that's just dedicated to all hip hop stuff, man. And I was just telling him that, like, the thing about it, too, even if you have a ghostwriter, somebody could write something for you. But the thing is, can you deliver it? Like, music, your voice is really the instrument. It's the skill. And I think people discredit that a lot, man. I think they really don't pay attention to that. But I know you from the West Coast, but you love East Coast rap. But what, yeah, definitely. what era do you think was the best for West Coast? Was it the Death Row era? but Or do you think it's currently now with the Top Dog and TDE era and the different rappers that's coming out the West Coast? Yeah, definitely Death Row era, early 90s, mid 90s, all of that. That was, you know, with the West Side Connection movement, that was, you know, that was an era I loved. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but, I mean, you know, when the game came out, you know, what was that, like 2004, 2005, I believe, you know, that was, that was the era I was really looking at. I, I, it felt like he brought more of a, uh, you know, he was a West Coast artist, but had an East Coast flow. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing I've always liked about the game. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I, it was a different sound to West Coast. You know what I mean? And, like, you know, because, you know, uh, West Coast is really all about the 6-4 power switching and everything, which is which, which is known for. That's the culture. That's part of the West Coast culture, of course, you know. But then, like, uh, game brought more lyrics. Lyrics, lyricists is what I want to say out of it. You know what I mean? I felt like he did. But then, uh, you know, and then when the TDE movement came, then that was that was starting to get a lot better because now we're seeing a, a, another different side of the West Coast, and you know, like with Kendrick, like the you know the you know the poetry that you know I felt like he was more of the poetry kind of artist, but can make it sound real good, you know, and that's one of the things that I liked about you know. And then I mean, I don't know if uh, a lot of people will agree with me on Absol because you know Absol. He has more of a, like he got his lyrics are dark, but they you know but they but they keep but they get you thinking though they have you thinking a lot and that's one of the one of my favorite West Coast artists I like really listening to is that song you know he leaves you with the like man is that true what if that is true the kind of thing you know I mean lyrics are dark and a lot of people think they're kind of demonic or whatever but I like him as an artist I think he you know he definitely he definitely is a spitter I like how he you know how he flows and whatnot and um you know and then of course you know when nip came you know nip brought that like he brought like that gangster lyricist though he like did you know it was like gangster rap lyricist he brought kind of like both and both and put it together how i look at it how you know for me that's how i looked at him as you know a gangster rap lyricist you know he rapped about the streets but he also rapped about you know some you know some facts you know, and some real and brought real knowledge to that. So, you you know, it, it was it's just that's what I really like to see the West Coast. But you know, on the East Coast, it was more of the like the battle rap in the scene and all of that is uh, you know that's what I got really into. Like Cassidy, you know, Cassidy from Philly. So you know, that was one of my favorite battle rappers of all time was Cass, and that movement right there. You know, that was just like I remember back in high school, I was you know rocking that you know that. Um, was it uh, what was that split personality? Yeah, that that shit right there was hot right there. Oh man, AM to the PM was fucking crazy on there. Oh yeah, that's that shit. I'm a hustler. Yeah, that was that, definitely that shit you know? was oh man, but uh man, and and what what I think Nipsey Hussle and like YG really don't get enough credit for. Like I I'm not for sure, but I feel like Nipsey Hussle did it first. It was like he really pushed gangbang into the forefront. When gangbanging right. in that time in era was kind of dead, you know what I'm saying? It was really like yeah. nobody don't really talk about Crips and Bloods like that. 
But, you know, Nipsey and YG came out kind of around the same time. I do believe that Nipsey was first, though, as far yeah. as, like, getting yeah. popular. But, um, you know, everybody reps a gang now and flagging and everybody on from the East Coast to the West Coast to everywhere. But I really... I really love what Nipsey did. He was like, he was never going to turn his back on his set and like what a place that, and what I need people. Cause what killer Mike did, he was talking about Cola. He was like, Hey, I could make something that's from the Crips because the hell's angels, they sell t-shirts and they sell merchandise. So why can't these black street fraternities is what he used the term as. Why can't we be celebrating? Why can't we make legit money? off of pain and you know i've talked about it also before in podcasts about how the crips was started it was the fight against like the police and other white people in la beating up people in the bloods was the same thing it was a good thing that turned into something a little different but what i love man about nipsey and just his greatness is that he showed people that you could gangbang but you could also be intelligent you could also be a businessman you could also yeah. take care of your yeah. kid you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he just did all these things, but he knew, he's like, I can't turn my back on them. I got to show them. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they say, see, that's why you don't have no store in the hood. You can't give back. If if you was to tell him to do it 10 times out of 10, I don't think he would change it. I think he would also, I think he would want to, you know, raise his family and stuff like that. But he knew the impact that he was trying to make in his community, he was willing to give his life for that. And that's what ended up happening. And that's why, like, he's he so near and dear to my heart and his teachings and you listen to his music. It just is amazing because he, he really lived that in his lyrics. And he really, you know, set it out. And it was, you know, weirdly poetic. It's unfortunate that he passed, but it was just like the way he went. It's like he was ready to die to push right. that to the forefront positivity that the hood can make a difference the hood can make a change and you know they say he passed giving out clothes to somebody who just came out of jail and stuff like that like he he passed doing the right thing and just being a good spirit man but yeah the west coast man i think nipsey you really got to give it to nipsey for bringing that gang banging culture that you know repping where you from and not really being ashamed because a lot of people will hide it but Nipsey, man, he really, really pushed it, man, to the forefront, man. So, uh, before we get out of here, man, how's the pandemic been on you? What's the impact it had on you, good or bad? How's it been on you? Well, I will say, you know, I kind of mostly good and some bad, you know, because uh, right before everything I hit, I, I did uh, get laid off from my job, you know, and it it actually wasn't even, you know, pandemic related. It was just because of, I guess, just slow business. And so, um, you know, it was crazy. So now I started to take up doing my Uber and, you know, doing DoorDash and Lyft and, you know, all of that, uh, you know, rideshare service stuff. So, and I actually, it was crazy because, you know, it was really, you know, it's always busy. So as me doing that from like six in the morning to 6 p.m., I made a good like about, you know, almost like maybe $250 a day. So now I'm actually looking at it like, wow, I'm actually making more, you know, on my time than going to work for somebody for eight hours, you know? And and then when I saw the money, I'm like, okay, cool. But then, um, you know, with when the pandemic had hit, you know, that's when everything just stopped. You know, they canceled the festivals. They canceled all the, you know, you know, just all the everything. Just all the, um, 
events that they were going to have throughout the year. So it just, you know, that's what made it tough. So now I had to do my Uber Eats delivery and, you know, DoorDash delivery, you know, doing the food service, which actually was still doing good, but not as good as the, you know, picking up passengers and, you know, taking them to their destination because, you know, that was, it was just, that was just nonstop. But then with the food, it actually kind of got nonstop too. It just wasn't really paying as much as, the, uh, you know, picking up people. But, uh, you know, that was good. I mean, um, the apartments that we are, uh, that, that I stay in, they actually, you know, you know, they send out a no eviction, um, you know, letter and everything like that, you know, just, you know, giving people, you know, updating people, let them know, like, we understand what's going on. It's, you know, it's governor issued, government issued that, you know, nobody can be evicted due to the, you know, pandemic and whatnot. So that kind of helped out a lot too, you know, cause at first I was like really stressing and bugging out, but, uh, you know, I still managed to, you know, you know, uh, you know, pay, pay everything on, you know, pay everything on, on time and everything. So I, you know, don't got, you know, more to stress about. So it, it just, I think the one thing that I feel, you know, feel bad for is the kids, you know, because they got to do this whole virtual, you know, teachings and all this at school. And it's, you know, it's crazy because, you know, like my son's kind of feeling like he ain't really learning anything from it. And a lot of kids, you know, just, just not him, but a lot of kids are saying they don't feel like they're learning anything from it. I'm like, man, these kids got to get back to school. But I mean, I understand we got to be safe and whatnot. And I'm all for that. But hopefully, you know, once all this is over, you know, everything can go back to normal, you know, because this whole new normal thing is really kind of, you know, it's, it's real difficult. I mean, I know, as you can see, I mean, I don't know how it is out there, but I'm pretty sure it's just about the same here, you know, wearing the face mask, you know, practice social distancing, keeping six feet apart and whatnot. So, you know, but hopefully, um, you know, hopefully something will, you know, you will be better at it, will make better out of this. And, uh, for, you know, what a lot of people will say, it's, you know, it's all election related and whatnot, but, you know, only God knows. So, you know, that's where we just, I just kind of leave it up to him and just, you know, see where he's, see where he's going to take us from there. But it's, uh, but as far as, um, you know, doing for me, uh, good though, is also, you know, I've been able to save a lot more money. So I've just been kind of putting up money aside and whatnot and see what I can kind of invest that into. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying, man, for me, uh, it's good and bad. Cause I feel like I'm learning myself better than ever but it also you know it kind of put me in a little bit of like a depression of like to sit and think about life for real like it really forced you to sit like you always on the go and you moving but it forced me to sit and it forced me to deal with some things that I didn't really like and enjoy in my life so man I started therapy and I rep- I really recommend therapy you know for anybody that you know feel like they want to try to talk to somebody or something like that or okay, in, awesome. yeah, and that therapy, you know, it really can be somebody you trust. It can be uh, doing something, you know, like uh, just positive in your life. You don't necessarily have to be a therapist. It is good for a therapist because these are people that were educated to do these. And, you know, I definitely chose a black therapist, a black lady. It's kind of like talking right. to your grandmother or your mom or something like that. So, you know. Uh, it really has helped me, but I've always, but she really is like, I don't think you really need it. You know what I'm saying? Like that. So, you know, I kind of don't even go like that. I'm probably won't even be going no more unless I feel like I need maybe once a month or something like that. But I just feel like, you know, uh, we all got things and, you know, battles and stuff that we battle with and it's better to get them out. And it definitely, uh, forced my creative side. I've been shooting videos for my friend. 
G Merrick. I've been, you know, doing different things with my podcast, really taking it seriously and learning the technical aspect of it. It really pushed my creativity and it's really pushed me to uh, get my own brand, my own business. That's why I'm doing a podcast. I do the photography uh, at August4thPhotography.com. Man, you can see I got some concert photos when concerts was in. I got, uh, you know, merchandise I'm working on. I need to work on some Lancaster merchandise. I use Clayton County here in Georgia. It's like a unappreciated, unappreciated area. It's kind of like a Lancaster out here. Like, they do the same kind of wild stuff, but they just not as much appreciated. But I appreciate that place. But, you know, the pandemic, you know, I really feel like the best way for me to describe it for me in my life I feel like the pandemic broke me down to build me up and it's building the best version of me and I'm feeling better and better every day and I'm learning myself better every day. So I'm appreciative for this time and this moment in life. And I hope that everybody yeah, else right. figuring it out too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know what? Now that you mentioned it, you know, that, you know, that, that definitely got, you know, that, that allowed me to, to allow myself to really think a lot and think on who I am and what I want to accomplish and what exactly that, you know, what goals do I want to take on. You know what I mean? Cause you know, big dog, I'm going to be 33 in, uh, you know, December. So, you know, at that age, I really feel like, you know, have something really, you know, going for myself. I, I really feel like I should, you know, I, I, you know, I started to feel like, you know, I should have, I had a, you know, better place and, you know, maybe, you know, a couple of cars, or at least maybe two cars, but you know what I'm saying? Just a lot of, you know, a lot of things. And one thing is, is that, you know, I know that, you know, managing my uh, finances, you know, and that's something that I'm um, trying to practice, you know, right now is, you know, managing my, you know, being able to save a little money here and there, not just spend it all at once and whatnot. Cause I, you know, I had an issue with that is, you know, always spending my money, you know, just relying on, you know, the next check to come, but it's always best to, you know, have something aside so you don't have to, you know, stressed out if something, you know, goes out, you know what I mean? You, you everybody, oh, well, I got this. So, I'm, it'll, you know, it'll hold me for a little bit until I get back on my feet or whatnot. So I really definitely encourage a lot of people to start saving money, whatever you can. And a little can turn into a lot, you know what I'm saying? So just got to look at it like that and, you know, just take care of your, you know, your, um, your importance, you know, your appliances and, you know, things that you need like that. And, you know, but always put something up for yourself. You know, it's always good to, you know, you got to pay yourself too is that one thing I tell people, you know, like, yeah, you get paid, but, you know, yeah, you got to pay utilities, you got to pay your van, you got to do all of that. But at the same time, pay yourself as well, you know, but pay yourself, but to me, paying yourself as far as, you know, take what you're going to put up, you know, and then just keep stacking more, you know what I mean? And the next thing you know, you'll blow your, you know, you'll, you'll blow your mind on how much you didn't save when you ain't touched it, you know? Like I had a homie, who actually showed me this little uh, trick with your, you know, with your $1 bills. You know, he said, what you do is, you know, every, you know, always just save you one. If you ever get one, just put them up. Man, I was, man, I did that for like maybe a little over a month. I already had like $300, bro, in ones, bro. When I counted, I was like, what? I was like, that's crazy. So, yeah, it was just a little a little trick he had kind of taught me. And I was like, dang, that's cool, you know, thinking you borrowed a whole bunch of ones. But still, no, you got to look at it like, no, nah, this is just, you know, you know, money to fall back on just in case anything goes south because you never know when that can hit you. So, but it's always good to, you know, put that. That's why I say, even if it's a little bit of money, you know, $5 here, this and there, at least put that up somewhere where, you know, you ain't going to touch it and just always stay consistent with that because it'll, it'll definitely help out. At, you know, it'll definitely help out at the end. You know, it's definitely, it'll help you out. Word, word, man. Now, do you have any, like, uh, business dreams or aspirations, anything you would like to do? To make your own well, money? You know, I, 
Well, yeah, yeah, you know, um, well, I had two things set up. Uh, well, I tried to, I will, more more recent, what I've been thinking about doing is like open, you know, open up like a cool little barbecue shack, little barbecue business thing, you know, get a food truck popping and all of that, you know, um, you know, because one thing I, I, I looked, I thought about, like, I am a person that loves to cook. I love enjoy cooking for other people. People do, you know, are admired by my, you know, talent that how I can cook and everything, you know, it's just, I just like to have fun in the kitchen when it comes to food, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, uh, plate decoration and all of that. So I, and I always get good comments on that. So that was something I always wanted to do. And I've always wanted to get into something where, you know, it's not going to slow down, you know, cause that's, that's what I've always been telling myself too here lately is always getting to something that, you know, that's always going to be business. You never want your business to slow down and, you know, of course, you know, food, people are going to be hungry. So, you know, that's going to always be up, you know, the food industry or whatnot. But for myself, is having my own, like, you know, a thing with Barbie, my, my grandfather, man, rest in peace. He was a big barbecue fan. And I remember back in the day, he used to always, you know, big grilling on the, you know, like on the bar- uh, on the barrel grills, you know what I'm saying? Like some real L.A. shit. And it was just crazy because, you know, I've never really touched one of those grills. You know, I'm always, you know, messing with the little propane grills and whatnot out here. But, you know, but to actually mess with that charcoal, you know, that, you know, that wood chips and all of that, that's what I'm trying to, you know, so I try to get real familiar with. And that's something that I've always been, uh, you know, I, I've always enjoyed was cooking. And I didn't, re- you know, realize I could be so good at it when I actually worked in the kitchen. You know, I, I worked at uh, Hooters for about five years back. I was one of the cooks. And, you know, all they taught me in the beginning was just you know, dropping the wings, dropping the fries, you know, and I'm like, all right, you know. And then one day, you know, two of the lead cooks weren't there. So, you know, I, I wasn't really familiar with the grill, but I paid attention and I watched, you know, because I used to be like, yeah, the grill looked tight, you know, but they never really put me on it. And then one day I just stabbed at it because we had a whole bunch of tickets coming in and it was a whole bunch of sandwiches and, you know, platters and all this and that. I'm just like, man. So I just went ahead and did it, man. Knocked it out quick, too. And nothing came, nothing came back but good compliments on the food. Like, hey, they really like the food. I'm like, oh, really? Is that right? Wow. And I was like, well, you know, so I felt like that's a talent that, you know, the Lord blessed me with was, you know, cooking and whatnot. So I wanted to take upon that. My sister, she's actually doing some things, too, with the bacon and everything. We come from, a, you know, it's, it's really hereditary for us. It's in our blood to be cooks and bakers and all of that, you know, because my grandmom and both my grandmom, they was both in the little baking scene and, you know, cooking, you know, then my, my, my grandfather on my mother's side, he was a, you know, a big cooking fan and whatnot. And especially when it came to some barbecue. So that was something I wanted to get into. I always, you know, that's something I wanted to do is, you know, I want to do something that I enjoy doing. I just, you know what I mean? That's, that's what's going to make the job fun. And that's what I just, uh, just keep telling myself is to, you know, get into, uh, get it, you know, get into something you're going to enjoy doing. Don't just, you know, get into something you're going to hate, you know, going there and having to do this and having to do that, you know, so that's one thing that I, you know, I keep telling myself is just to, you know, going to something I'm going to enjoy. And then um, there was one I wanted to do with, uh, I wanted to get into fitness thing as well too. wanted to uh, possibly come with my own like supplements, you know, come with my own little protein shakes and stuff like that. I haven't looked, I haven't got too deep into that just yet, but it was an idea that had, uh, came up as well, you know, so just, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, want to encourage other people to, you know, that it's important to eat healthy and just, you know, to, you know, to keep, uh, 
keep your metabolism up and to, you know, feed the mind as well, man. Like that's another thing too, you know, like feeding the mind. Like I'm, I'm actually trying to uh, get myself to read some books here, you know, cause I know reading books definitely helps the mind as well. You know, and I ain't been, and I never really been a book reader, but you know, from what I've been hearing from a lot of people is saying that, yeah, books really do help with the mind. I was just like, man, I, I definitely got to get into that. So, um, yeah, yeah this, this you gotta, pretty, you definitely got to, man. When we get off of here, man, I'll definitely, I'll chop it up with you about some books and stuff like that, man. But what I like to do, I've been, you know, on a positive vibe. I feel like California give me my hippie vibe and that positive vibe. But I've been learning a lot about manifestation and, uh, you know, just positive, you know, things in your life. And the definition for manifestation is an event, an action or object that clearly shows or embodies something, especially a theory or an abstract idea. So basically, it's like whatever you believe you can achieve type thing. And like you just got to keep that. The power of the mind is good. So what I like to do on this podcast uh, I ended off like on speaking to existence. What do you want out of your life? What I do to end off the podcast is speaking to existence. What do you want out of your life? Oh man, I just want, you know, success, man, you know, success, just, you know, just, just been known as, you know, being very successful, uh, a go-getter, Accomplish, you know, just accomplishing everything that he said I was going to do. Just, you know, just been sure that everything that that man said he was going to do, he did it, and he, you know, definitely did it the right way. And you know, just you know, have that good reputation of knowing that you know I was a you know a hard worker and a brilliant mind, you know, person, and you know, just to be shown, you know, be shown as um, just to be shown as you know to just everybody a, a big inspiration. You know, I would love to inspire a lot of people. You know, especially somebody like me and, you know, kind of living through the life and the obstacles I, you know, went through, you know what I'm saying? I really would like for people to, you know, learn from that and, you know, try not to use excuses, everything, because I was full of excuses back in the day. You know, I realized, you know, you just can't always have an excuse, you know. You got to just know that you just got to keep on trying and trying, you know, just never give up. And that's something you know, I, I tend to do a lot, too, is just give up. But, you know, earlier this year, um, I kind of almost did, but then I realized, you know, I got a son. And I want to be a good example and a you know good uh, mentor to him and everything like that. So I always got to keep the you know positive head on my shoulders, even though I got a lot of stuff going on. But you know I make sure I still I'm smiling. You know what I'm saying I ain't gonna let you know you know stuff beat me down. I'm gonna definitely keep smiling through it all and you know keep a good head on you know keep a good you know head on my shoulders and whatnot and just um you know be shown just be just be known as that you know that you know that that inspirational person like you know. Just like you know, just want to be idolized as that. So I, I definitely would love you know to have that out of life, right? You know what I mean? Man, you know, that's like, man, that's dope, man. I definitely, man, like I said, man, I just seen you as a stand-up, amazing dude. So I just wanted to get you on the podcast, pick your brain, and just tell you, man, you're a good father, you're a good dude, you're a good person, and I hope that you get everything out of this life that's meant for you and more. And this is uh, yeah. Appreciate it, big dog, for sure. Appreciate it, much love. Appreciate it. Yes, and this is recorded. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Grateful Tape Sessions. It's your boy G. You know what I'm saying? We're just gonna vibe out right now. And uh, I know we've been through a lot this year, but the only thing that's gonna get us through is if we continue to be lights and just be 
grateful. It's a grateful season. You know what I'm saying? So I gotta appreciate where you came from. And I'm gonna share mine. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. This is not complete without a mere feat to come and shake up the streets. Yeah, the boy of his unbreakable, making these other rappers split when I bring out the beast. Jeez, I'm the ground king, so I've been ill, dying up stage three. So I've been ill, can't try to take my body for ransom. Had to sit out with God, I had to ask him why me, why this happened. Anxiety, fear, and faith clashing, something I wasn't grasping. Great scully over my body wasn't for fashion. Dark nights, it got cold in the aspen. Uh, and close my eyes in like five days, losing sleep just to see the light of day. In my own tears, I'm treading in the deep, but somehow I know I had to right away. No words to describe the pain, what a doubt prescribed couldn't subside the pain. Uh, I wanna be free, get me out the chains. All I know is if I die, I gain. I was a patient, losing patience, had little to no acquaintance, but I was facing. I know I can take it, I won't let it take me. I know I can take it, I won't let it break me. Keep my flow with the IV pole, think again if you think it's gonna stop me. No, uh, my kids ain't about to watch me go. I'm fighting for my life, I wanna watch him grow. Uh, I knew either way I was going home, and no one fights alone. I came alive, I wanna fly. Remission state of mind, I am a survivor. Yeah, grateful tape session. It's your boy G.